Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that is a legend in his own mind and way past his time. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly 45-minute broadcast dedicated to pipes, pipe tobacco, all things that we love in the hobby. I am your host, Brian Levine, and yes, I am a legend in my own mind, and I'm way ahead of my time. Talking about time, it's going to be a great show tonight. My guest, Steve Fallon, the only guy that could carry the moniker Pipe Stud in pipe parts. I'm going to get into the types of wood and other materials that pipes are made out of. I'll also answer last week's trivia question in that part, so pay close attention. Got a special piece of music for the holiday season coming up. Mailbag, rant, a whole lot more. Hey, make sure and Check us out on iTunes. If you get a chance, leave a review there. Follow me on Facebook. Got any comments or questions on what you hear on the show, post them in the forums. I look forward to reading them. We'll have a mailbag at the end of the show. A whole bunch coming up. And a special thank you to my friends at SmokingPipes.com for helping us out. This is Internet Radio. SmokingPipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. In just a few minutes, Steve Fallon will be on the phone with me in the meantime for pipe parts. Let's go over the common materials used for pipes. I'll start at the beginning. The oldest pipes known were made out of stone. The uh, Native Americans or Indians used a specific stone for their pipes. Fast forward to about the 1850s, and that's when you see the modern-day briar pipe becoming popular. So it wasn't until about 160 years ago, really, that we see briar being used for pipes. Prior to that, most of the pipes that were made were made out of clay. So the materials that we've seen in pipes, besides meerschaum, briar, and clay, which are still around, gourd calabashes... The African gourds, usually with a meerschaum or a porcelain bowl, those are still around. Corncob is still readily used and relatively new in comparison to clay or 
the stone pipes. Porcelain pipes still being made in Holland. There are also some pipes of unique interest. In particular, the uh, graphite or resin pipes. Those were commonly referred or the brand was the pipe and was machine it was washable in a washing machine uh those pipes are from the 50s and 60s and into the into the 1970s there have been some metal bold pipes but those didn't work out real well so you'll see falcon or kirsten or brands like that that use a briar screw on bowl onto a metal shank and rubber stem now on the briar or the traditional woods, there's a couple of things that are still done, or a couple of types of woods that are still used that are not briar. In particular, olive wood has been used on a regular basis. Also, currently, there's several pipe makers and manufacturers that are messing around with strawberry wood. The strawberry wood gives a real interesting sandblast, a real interesting finish to it. I've yet to actually smoke one with made out of strawberry wood, but I'm interested to try one. If anybody out there smoked a strawberry wood pipe, let me know what you think about it. The other type of wood, although not truly in definition a wood, is morta. Morta is fossilized bog oak or fossilized oak wood, wood that's been sitting in a swamp or a bog for thousands of years hardening. It is extremely difficult for pipe makers to work with because it's very hard. It also has a whole bunch of flaws or defects in it. So you need a relatively large piece of mortar to create a decent sized pipe. But the answer to the trivia question is Morta is a fossilized wood, mostly oak, uh, that has been carved and used as a pipe. Morta and Meerschaum, to me, have very similar characteristics. They both tend to give a very um, dry taste, in my opinion, and I am the leading expert on my opinion, so a very dry taste. Meerschaum, a little less tolerant when it comes to moisture. Meerschaum will soak up a lot of the moisture. Morta, being so dense and almost fossilized, doesn't soak up a lot of, doesn't soak up hardly any of the moisture at all. I've owned a couple of Morta pipes in the past, and let me tell you, it takes your tobacco and makes it completely different. It changes the way your tobacco tastes. Completely different uh, different kind of wood. Now, when there's been other woods that have been used in the past, there's been maple, cherry, walnuts, oaks, rosewood. Manzanita was one of my favorites because it's got a little bit of a hallucinogenic property to it. Uh, mesquite wood, hickory, mountain laurel, and mountain laurel in particular was used a lot in the United States during World War II when we couldn't get briar because northern Africa and the Mediterranean were all involved in the war. A lot of the factories in England and Denmark during that time tried out different kinds of woods because there was no wood available. 
They couldn't get briar, so they were trying all kinds of different types of woods. Uh, cherry wood is still being used on a regular basis by the uh, French company, and you can actually taste a little bit of the cherry wood in it. A lot of the other woods, including stuff like mahogany and ebony, those were used for smoking. A lot of this, all, a lot of these various different woods come from Africa or come from tribal areas where that was the wood that was available, and therefore that's what those cultures used. Each one of these woods and each one of these different materials of pipes gives a whole different taste or different experience. Remember, we were talking to Mary McNeil from McClelland, and she said that they taste test all their blends in little clay pipes. They use the clay because it doesn't impart any flavor whatsoever. Briar has a natural kind of a sweet taste to it that I prefer, but that will impart an extra flavor to it. When you're working on a porcelain pipe, that will not impart any flavor whatsoever. It's a sealed porcelain. It's also really hard to build up a cake in a porcelain pipe because not much sticks to porcelain. However, they are really beautiful when they're decorated up real nice. They make great discussion pieces, great decorator items, and they smoke fairly well. I have also seen, although I think they're more as decorator pieces, I've seen pipes made in India out of all brass. Uh, several of the old-style pipes from the Orient, in particular Japan, those were small pipes made with metal bowls. Those were used 100 years ago for smoking opium out of, but they're still very popular today as a small, quick three or four puffs. There's a lot of different devices out there for smoking tobacco. Most of us are pretty satisfied with our briar meerschaum and our corn cobs. But hey, if you're interested in trying them, look for some of the old pipes, some, some of the old estate pipes that might be made out of uh, a maple or a uh, mesquite wood or a mountain laurel, some of the uh, oddball woods that have been used in the past. Now, I will say that those weren't usually the best manufactured pipes, so the smoking experience will be a little bit different there too, but you may never know. You may find something that really works for you. In the meantime, there's a lot of great pipe makers and pipe companies that are using the strawberry wood, Morta, Meerschaum, and always a lot of great briar pipes out there. So, hey, stick with me in just a minute, Steve Fallon. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Fred Hanna, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, Steve Fallon, who many of you may know by his other name, which his wife did not give him, Pipe Stud. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you, Brian. I was, I was hoping and praying that one day I might get on your show, 
Uh, it's uh, the highlight of my life so far, and I'm 60 years old, so that goes to tell you I've had a terrible life. I've met your wife. I know you're lying. <laughs> Steve, tell us, where, where are you from? actually grew up uh, right here in the great state of Texas, uh, born and raised, uh, well, actually, I was born in San Antonio, raised in Waco, and uh, spent 20 years in Austin, and then came back to Waco and have been here for another 15 years. So uh, I've kind of bounced back and forth up and down the interstate, but that's about it. What was your uh, What was your first career? Well, I spent the first 25 years of my adult uh, professional life as a sports broadcaster, uh, my father was a sports broadcaster, and I followed in his footsteps, and uh, so I spent 25 years doing that. What kind of sports? Well, just about everything uh, imaginable. In fact, there were sports I didn't know anything about, but if people would hire me to broadcast them, I'd sure learn fast. Uh, but mostly it was your, your typical football, basketball, baseball, that kind of thing. And when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, when I was in high school... Uh, the radio station that my father managed started an FM. Back in those days, FMs were new and uh, kind of uncharted territory. And uh, they hired high school kids to, uh, to, man the, to man the programs that they ran. And there was a, there was a radio newsman, uh, Bill Herring was his name, and he would always be running around between the AM and the FM studio and the TV station because it was also a te- television station. Uh, smoking uh, Stanwell pipes, and I don't know what the brand of tobacco was that he smoked, but it smelled just wonderful, and I thought, man, I- I'd like to do that. So one day I cornered him and said, hey, Bill, uh, uh, I'd-, I'd like to start smoking a pipe. Where-, where can I get one and where can I get some tobacco? So he took me to a local pipe shop in Waco and uh, got an old Stanwell, uh, still have it, Danish Sovereign, and uh, some of the worst tobacco you ever imagine uh it smelled great but uh, burnt my tongue tremendously and uh, that's how i started but i was uh, i've always had a saying brian pipe smokers are born not made you can't turn somebody into a pipe smoker who just wasn't uh, automatically geared for it despite the fact that i spent several years burning my tongue off i just kept going until finally one day i, I got a hold of something called red rapparee and uh, that kind of changed my changed my life you're also known for enjoying Royal Yacht. Yeah, now I didn't. I I was smoking mostly, uh, I guess Virginia blends with some Latakia in it, uh, and I'm not the. Uh, I like Latakia, but not in healthy doses. And so I was always struggling with finding a Virginia that had just a, a little bit of Latakia in it. And then uh, one day in 1990, I, I remember specifically, I was sitting at home and had just gotten in a few tins of tobacco uh, that I had ordered, and I'd never tried Royal Yacht before, and I had heard so many people talk about how horrible it was, so I'd let it sit for about a year before I ever went after it. And uh, one morning with my coffee, I, I uh, popped the tin and thought I'd give it a shot, and uh, am still in love with that stuff. You were so much in love with it that you, at one point, I remember you had a little avatar picture of you with a uh, sailor's <laughs> captain's hat. Well, uh, at our local pipe club meeting in Waco two years ago, uh, I think it was uh, during one of the anniversary meetings of the pipe club, uh, I was the president, and so they gave me uh, they gave me a true, they got it off of eBay, it was, uh, it was a sailor's hat from the Royal Yacht. Uh, the Queen's Royal Yacht, 
and uh, had gotten it on eBay and presented it to me. So, uh, uh, you know, being the nice guy that I am, I put the darn thing on and looked pretty silly. And uh, somebody took a picture of it and then posted it on the Internet. And the next thing I know, it's in the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris, too. So it just kind of went viral on me. <laughs> before viral was a uh, was a thing. Before, before viral was cool, yeah. So at that point, you started actually stockpiling Royal Yacht. Yeah, you know, it's real interesting, Brian. The, uh, in fact, as part of the thing uh, regarding aged tobacco, uh, back in my early days, uh, heck still, but back in my early days for sure, uh, I really couldn't afford to collect, uh, you know, more expensive pipes and higher-grade pipes. But uh, for some reason, I was always attracted to tobacco tins and uh, the variety there were and the way they looked. And so I spent maybe six or seven years collecting hundreds of uh, tobacco tins Never would open it, uh, just uh, just kept them, and then found out later someone had said that well you know they're they're old but that means they're better and I said no 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 they're old and that means they're not any good anymore just for smoking, uh, and then when I found out that they were I started putting them up on eBay this was before eBay clamped down on all the tobacco stuff, and I uh, couldn't believe the prices I was getting for some of those old tobaccos, uh, and so I started sampling them myself and found out that yeah. Uh, Particularly the Virginias, the uh, you know ten fifteen year old tin of Virginia, is going to taste a whole lot better than uh, a fresh tin of the same thing. What's the oldest tobacco you've smoked? Oh gosh, I don't know. There's some stuff from uh, uh, the 1940s. I had a 1946 uh, tin of Royal Yacht that uh, to this day uh, makes me tingle just thinking about it. Uh, if I've smoked anything older than that, I just don't know what it was. Well, you answered two questions there for me. Uh, how much Royal Yacht do you have on hand? Well, now, Brian, I don't want to... I don't want to... Your wife's not exactly. listening. Well, no, but believe it or not, she's in the building. Uh, her bank's uh, Christmas party is here at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame tonight, and she's having a bunch of ladies set up, so I'm trying to be a little quiet back here in the office. Uh, but I, I would submit to you that, uh, you know, 400, 450 tens, maybe... And it only gets better with age. Uh, only gets better with age. Uh, I've got some uh, uh, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, 90s. I don't think I have anything after that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty loaded down with the stuff and, and uh, have enough to last me the rest of my life anyway. So you mentioned the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Tell us what, what exactly is your job there. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm the executive director of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and, and my employees will tell you that means I'm the janitor. Uh, but basically, I've been here about 15 years, and uh, we we honor Texas sports history. We're a 36,000-square-foot facility, and uh, uh, anyone who has brought fame or acclaim to Texas sports history is, uh, uh, if they've been inducted, we, we uh, go collect memorabilia. We have induction banquets. Uh, we have other special events because we're a nonprofit in order to stay viable, you've got to have those. And we have an induction banquet coming up, in fact, right uh, in two months. And, and two of our inductees are people you wouldn't even think were from Texas. Uh, one is Shaquille O'Neal, and the other is Drew Brees of uh, the New Orleans Saints, uh, who won the, uh, who got the Super Bowl victory last year. And, of course, another one is Ricky Williams. Of course, everybody would know he's from Texas, went to the University of Texas and uh, won the Heisman out of there. But uh, yeah, we have uh, a great banquet every year. It's a sellout. 
about a fourth of our annual operating budget is made from that banquet. So it's an important one for us. But we, we do things like that. And of course, uh, are open 360 days a year for the for the public to come see what we have. Is there a website? Yes, sir. It's T-S-H-O-F, the acronym for Texas Sports Hall of Fame, T-S-H-O-F dot org. And it, it's open to visitors so you can come by and check it out? Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, uh, that's, that's our reason for being is to, uh, uh, you know, showcase Texas sports history for not only our generation now, but for future generations. Any NASCAR drivers? Yes, as a matter of fact, the Labonte brothers were inducted back in 2003, I believe, and uh, we packed the house with those NASCAR folks. They uh, are pretty excited to have the Labonte brothers who are from Corpus Christi, Texas. Both, uh, both of them are exceptional people, lots of fun. Preparations for uh, Christmas in Texas, does that mean that the tumbleweeds have sparkly lights on them and the armadillo has a red nose? <laughs> well, it's a little tough to catch those armadillos these days. They're getting a little bit... Uh, you know, gun shy. Uh, of course, now there's there's nothing better than armadillo stew. Uh, problem is, uh, you know, with so many roads and Texas highways now, there's so much competition for the roadkill. It's hard to find any. But when I do, I scoop it up, and we have some good uh, good armadillo stew that night. Uh, but you stack those tumbleweeds on top of each other, and then uh, uh, tape them down real good, and and uh, you can put the lights on there and the tinsel and. Uh, it's it's really a beautiful sight down here in Texas during the during the Christmas season. And when we come back, we'll talk to Steve about his uh, part time hobby job. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corn cob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at cupojoes.com. are back and Steve Fallon the pipe stud of Texas even though he doesn't have a cowboy hat is on the phone uh Steve you're in addition to doing consignment auctions online you have your own website uh pipestud.com that has a regular rotating inventory of vintage tobaccos yeah, thank you for letting me plug that a little bit. It started a little over three years ago, basically, because eBay was shutting down a lot of my auctions, uh, pipe tobacco auctions. Uh, you know, the younger people on eBay don't know the difference between a Murray's Air and an Orlick Air or a Dunhill tin. And, and uh, you know, I even had at one point, the one that finally got me was I had an, uh, a tall boy style tin of Balkan Sobrani 759 that had less than an hour to go in the auction and was sitting at $1,100, and eBay ended it. Uh, so I said, you know, I, I, there's got to be a better way. So I, I, I did. I started my own website and uh, have just been truly amazed at how many people out there, once they started finding out about it, <clears throat> pardon me, were sending me uh, just the most marvelous old tins that you can't find anywhere that nobody knows about anymore. If they do know about them, they hadn't seen them in years and years and years. And it's also an opportunity for uh, 
for collectors who may have two or three or four tens of a of a certain blend and they they want to make a little money and they bought the tens 20 years ago at five dollars a ten and can sell them at 150 dollars a ten why it's a pretty neat little deal so we've had a lot of fun with it you update it on a weekly basis well, as as often as I can, it's very seldom any any uh, uh, more frequently than that. Uh, if I if I get the opportunity during the week, uh, I'll I won't publish it, but I'll put up uh, tens as I go along, just so that I can get it published on a Saturday or a Sunday. And those days are uh, very fruitful if you have a good listing of uh, old vintage tobacco, because more and more of our hobbyists uh, are understanding what you and I learned years ago, and that is. Uh, if uh, tobacco is tasty, fresh, it's going to be awesome uh, with age to it. And so, uh, in fact, I had listened uh, to you. Uh, you were a guest speaker at the Kansas City Pipe Show. I think it was 2005 or six, and uh, you and Mike McNeil were talking about Virginias and, and uh, how well they age. Uh, I remember when I started my private website, uh, I sent out my email newsletter to uh, to my client list and had brought that up that uh, that both you and Mike McNeil had uh, mentioned how how much better vintage uh, tobacco is, particularly Virginia blend stuff like that. And uh, I think it helped me make a few sales, so I ought to thank you for that. Uh, you can send the commission check to. Oh, I just kidding. I didn't say I thank. I, I didn't thank you that much. <laughs> I will. I will tell everybody that's listening. We've talked in the a uh, couple weeks past about vintage tobaccos and about understanding what might age and how it might age. Steve's website is a chance for you to go online and buy a current production that might be five, seven, ten years old. Buy a tin of it, try it, and then if you really like it, go stockpile the fresh stuff and allow it the time to age in your own cellar. There you go. There you go. That's what we're trying to get people to do is to, uh, in, our, in our hobby, is to start a seller. If you haven't started one, it'll it'll um, increase your appreciation of the hobby. It really will. And tobacco will never be cheaper than it is now. Got that right. Speaking of price, what's the most expensive tin of tobacco you've sold? Wow. Uh, you know, I really, I really believe that the uh, the Balkan Sobrani 759 on eBay, if they'd allowed it to continue, might have gone uh, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, as it was, they ended the auction, and uh, when they did that, I just kept it back and then put it up on my website for nine hundred dollars as one of the you know opening tins that I had put up there, and it sold quickly. Uh, but I, th- I think your Balkan Sobrani tins are probably the most expensive. Uh, Shockingly so, sometimes. Uh, uh, I was sent four or five tens of the old, uh, I guess, 1960s or 70s. It might have been 70s. I can't remember for sure. Uh, Balkan Sprinty 759 tens that were going for $500 a pop. And to me, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of money for a tin of tobacco. But I have seen uh, tobacco much uh, that would be much more expensive than that if it were sold. Uh, like old 1920s and 30s cutter top tens of some of the old Dunhill blends and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think around five, six hundred dollars maybe. Uh, other than that, one BS uh, 759 10 might be tops. So the impetus for having you on the show, uh, impetus is a big word. You can look it up later. I was going to say I don't know what you just said, but if yeah. it's good, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, was you were the featured speaker at the dinner for the Las Vegas or the West Coast Pipe Show 
last uh, last month, and you used your radio talents to give the best non-presentation presentation that I've ever seen, <laughs> which accentuated perfectly the unique characters that are in our hobby. You also read some letters. Uh, and you've been selling online for a long time now, and I'd like for you to share with share with us and have it recorded forever uh, some of your favorite comments or questions that you've received. Well, there's certainly been a lot of them over the years, and uh, when you sell on eBay, anybody who sells on eBay, they know that uh, they're going to get some very interesting uh, uh, email questions. Uh, mostly through the eBay messaging system. Sometimes uh, somebody will find out what your private email is and send it to you that way. You know, before I share these, the first thing I want to say is that I'm probably somebody out there uh, listening will have been the author of one of these things, and and uh, I'm only saying that I'm I'm reading what was written. I didn't write it, so don't get upset with me. Uh, it's it's funny stuff. It brings uh, it brings. Uh, a lot of chuckles from different people when I read some of these things, but it does amaze me. Uh, just as an example, uh, a guy wanted to buy a pipe I had on eBay and said he was willing to pay $50 for it, but that he doesn't use eBay. Uh, so would I please bid $50 for him, and if he wins, he'll send me a check. Well, I <laughs> emailed him back and said, you know, uh, eBay has it set up so that sellers can't bid on their own stuff, but thank you anyway. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good one. Uh, I sold some pipes for a widow of a collector who'd recently died. Uh, real high-grade stuff, really good pipes. Uh, and so I sent her a huge check after it was all over with, uh, uh, less my uh, commission. It was several thousand dollars, and she called and said she could not believe how much money those pipes uh, sold for. Uh, I told her, well, they're high-end and very expensive pipes. And she said, well, I'll guarantee you one thing. If my husband was alive right now, I'd kill him again for spending that much money on pipes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. If my wife's uh, listening, all the pipes I've I have were twenty dollars each. Yeah. How long have you been married? Twenty one and a half years. Well, then she's uh, she's far. Oh, twenty two twenty two and a half years. Twenty two and a half years. Well, I can tell you this: she's on to you by now. There's no way she'd believe your story anyhow. Uh, I sold a $30 Peterson's estate pipe on eBay to a, to an eBay member that had a two feedback rating. And I'd mentioned in the item description that the pipe was an estate piece that had a lot of cake in the bowl and that the stem had some scratch marks. And after receiving the pipe, uh, pipe the buyer wrote the following. And I've got it right here in front of me. Are you nuts? This pipe has obviously already been smoked. I am sending it back to you for a full refund of my money. You need to learn the difference between new and unsmoked pipes and smoked pipes. Nobody in their right mind would ever buy an already smoked pipe. That's disgusting. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Do you have one uh, more one more favorite? Uh, yeah, the uh, the favoritest favorite I have. Boy, I hate bringing this up because he might be listening. Uh, but he's a he's a collector of high grade pipes, and he said he had a real nice high grade pipe that he wanted to. Uh, uh, sent to me to sell on my website, and I said, sure. And uh, so he sent it to me, and I opened the box, and inside the box was a large men's diaper uh, with the pipe inside the diaper. Well, obviously, the first thing I did is what anybody else would do. I, I checked to see if it was a new or an estate diaper, 
and, <laughs> and when I saw that it was new, I went ahead and you know opened it up slowly and carefully, pulled the pipe out, very nice pipe, worth five or six hundred dollars, and then there was a note at the bottom, so I pulled the note out and it said, "Steve, here's the pipe I'd like for you to sell for me on eBay. Please return the diaper to me and don't ask any questions." on on that note we'll jump right into the fast five final questions which you have not been prepped for nor have i given you any clue that they're coming up unless you've listened to the show so (laughs) first thing that comes to your mind here they are five questions are you ready okay i'm ready favorite pipe the show is only 45 minutes barley Favorite tobacco? Do I have to Royal guess? Royal Yacht. Yeah, Royal Yacht. Favorite place to smoke? In my home office. And your favorite drink? Margarita. And your favorite thing to do while smoking? Work on my pipe stud consignment shop business. Steve, it's always a pleasure. Please uh, give your wife a kiss again for me. Well, I'll sure do that because that's really the only time she lets me kiss her. thank you very much happy holidays to you and your entire uh, Texas clan well thank you Brian happy holidays to you as well and I'm now going to go pick up some kids and go to a Christmas party we'll be back with more of the show in just a minute smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Every time Steve and I get together, there's always lots of fun, laughter. Always look forward to seeing them. Want to do a little shameless plug. Uh, My son at Appalachian State University is part of the Glee Club. And a couple days ago, they did their winter performance. I recorded the uh, live stream of it. So here's a little holiday classic, and uh, my son's singing in it, and oh yeah, there's a bunch of other kids there too. Hope you enjoy it.
There's a little music to get you in the holiday spirit, and in case you couldn't tell, my son Kevin was the uh, third voice from the left. Listen, the show is growing nicely. The listenership doing great. The month of November, the MP3 files that are posted afterwards, those 11 files in the month of November got 134,000 hits on them. So thank you very much. Listen, if you're an artisan pipe maker or you have a small brick-and-mortar shop and you want to be a part of the show, contact Kevin Godby at pipesmagazine.com. We've got a special deal for you guys. If you want to sponsor on the show or run an ad on the show, please contact Kevin Godby as well. He takes care of all of that. We'll be back to the show in just a moment, but now, random Random thoughts thoughts or what the f*** is he thinking? I recently read that the Japanese Firebelly Newt was taken on flights on the space shuttle to examine its inner ear. The inner ear of the Firebelly Newt is extremely similar to the human ear. So now I think when people ask me, what have I heard lately? I'm going to tell them, Newt things. See, I told you. And now back to our show. Bell call! Gather around, everyone! Had a lot of nice comments come in this week. Uh, Mitch, thank you for letting me know that you were listening to the show in Kuala Lumpur. I'm glad the glad we were able to give you a little bit of a rest on your business trip there. To uh, David and Cigar Master, the cleaning part, I enjoy it. It helps me. Uh, Cigar Master, yeah, listen, four to seven pipe cleaners? Look, I sell pipe cleaners, so... I think everybody ought to use as many as possible. I think I only use about uh, two or three per bowl. Lawrence, thank you for your nice comments and thank you for uh, and thank all the moderators on pipesmagazine.com for keeping those forums cleaned up and doing a great job there. Cortez Attic, uh, let us know what you spent the 150 bucks on from the uh, Thanksgiving episode. I'd be really interested to hear what you got. John Seiler, hope you and Bill are uh, still enjoying the show and hope Bill's not driving you too crazy with uh, all the technology things. Got a lot of positive feedback on the uh, Bach piece and Pablo Casal, so may pull another one of those pieces out in a future episode. I do want to remind everyone, we are committed to doing a brand new episode of the show every Thursday 8 p.m. Eastern Time is when it goes up on PipesMagazine.com. When the uh, podcast servers get it, who knows? Could be right away, could be shortly after, could be the next morning, but there will be a brand new episode. 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday, each and every one. That's 52 shows a year that we're going to do for you. And I'm also glad that I'm not the only one that has uh, problems remembering people's names out there but anyway hang on everybody rant time's coming up next fact cup of joe's is the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web fact for over 17 years cup of joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service fact your thumb is the same length as your nose told you cup there's nothing quite like hunting at dawn. 
or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is an open letter to FedEx, Federal Express, the overnight shipping specialists that can't read signs. So our office opens most mornings by 10 a.m. We have a posted sign that says hours of operation for receiving 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Now, most mornings I get up, I check my email from home, I do that stuff, and then I get into the office 9.30, 9.45, somewhere around there, 10 o'clock. Trust me, I very rarely get out of here by 7, 7.30 at night. So, last week, FedEx had an overnight AM priority, super special, we can't hold it for any longer than 14 seconds delivery for me. Their first delivery was at 8.12 in the morning. They left a little note on the door, says 8.12 AM, first delivery attempt, blah 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 on the package number. Put the, put the sticker... Eight inches away from our sign on the front door here that says hours of operation. Then they come back again at 9.48 a.m. She signs the thing again, 9.48 a.m. second delivery. Again, the sticker is still right by the sign that says hours of operation for receiving 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. She's now been here twice, looked at that sign twice, and came back a second time knowing that we were not posted open at that time. So when I get here, I'm kind of concerned as I don't know what this is that's coming in, but I want to check it out. So I call FedEx and based off of the door tag, I tell them the, tell them the tag number. They tell me who it's from and why they had to deliver it that early. So I asked the lady on the phone, I said, do you have an option that says we'll return when open? No, we don't. We have to try again before 1030. We have to get that off of our truck before 1030. So I said, okay, well, why didn't you come back at 1030? I would have been here. It's 10 10 minutes after 10 at that point when I'm talking to her. Well, the driver has to do it on their route and she has to, the driver has to try a second time before 1030. Okay, great. So I said, why don't you re-deliver it? I'll contact the center and they'll bring it back out. Now, the FedEx center is literally a mile from here. It's on the other side of the interstate. I can hop in my car, drive there, and pick it up. But no, the letter's out on a truck driving around somewhere. So it's supposed to be back here. Lo and behold, she tells me that it's going to be delivered back today. It doesn't show up. When does it show up? The next morning. And they leave it with the neighbor at 9.15 in the morning. Could have left it with the neighbor the other the day before. Anyway, that's why we ship a lot of stuff and we ship UPS. Producer AJ just reminded me we need to do the trivia. So here is the trivia question for this week. Navy Flake. The term Navy Flake when referring to a flake tobacco. Where did that come from? Answer next week. 
Hey, I want to say thank you to SmokingPipes.com. Thank you to all of you for listening in. Thanks to Steve Fallon for joining me. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny I want an official red rider carbon action two inch wings while arrows. No. Shoot your eye out.